Hey, thanks for clicking the play button on episode number four of TJ Noma's Wild Rip podcast. Uh, I have to tell you, Oma, I made the meeting for, I made like the meeting invite for this, and I was very proud of myself because the meeting invite was great. It meant that we were both on time for like the first time ever. Um, <laughs> but I did title it episode five, and then I went into our show notes for today, and it is episode four. I mean, I, I don't even know the difference, so it's completely cool to me. Well, I'm just proud of myself that I was early today. Yeah, I was really impressed yeah. a whole 10 minutes early. I think it's because, here's my defense. I think it's because we had that, like, ghost episode. We had the week we recorded, but then didn't get around to publishing. Yeah. And I think that's why it's episode five in my head. That makes sense. This is a good week to do a podcast, though, because competitive is in full swing. Uh, and not only that, but we've got rumors on the horizon that I paid no attention to. So you're going to need to explain this to me. Do you want to start with the rumors or with competitive? We'll start with the rumors. We'll get that yeah. out of the way. You want to start with the rumors. Um, this has been floating around on YouTube and like some YouTubers published it, I saw. Uh, and it was on my yeah. Twitter just now when I opened it up right before we started the podcast. Because I'm doing 18 things at once and one of them is checking my cursed social media account. Um, what's, going, what's going on with these new items? Yeah, so this is a big one to me. Divine Sundra being added, I don't really care about that. The big one that I really want to pay attention to is Hellbreaker, because I feel like this item could just break the game. So let's attach an asterisk to this, which is nothing official has come out about them adding new item. Yeah. However, the rumored content of upcoming patches is the addition of Hullbreaker and Divine Sundra, you said? That's right. Yeah, I mean, Sundra has a place in the meta, I think, especially with the prominence of tanks like Garen being so strong, Darius being so strong. But my initial read when I first started watching about Rift was how easy it was to destroy side lane turrets, destroy inhibitor turrets going into the mid to late game. Honestly, even in the laning phase outside of four minutes. And I feel like once you pick up an item like Howlbreaker, there's a realistic chance that this item just bricks the game and gives too much power to Baron lane. So... I mean, you're you're talking like a League of Legends coach right now, which in your defense <laughs> you are. Um, for people yeah. like me, who I just typed in Hullbreaker and Divine Sunderer to two different Wikipedia pages or, or League of Legends wiki pages, and I'm reading the items, could you tell me briefly what these two items do? Kind of what, what they are from League okay. of Legends PC? So the similarities for Divine Sundra or the parallels that are often drawn for it is people will compare it to Trinity Force. The champions that build Trinity Force are usually able to build Divine Sundra as well. And then the, the distinguishment or like the way you go through like which one you want to buy. The rule of thumb, I guess you can think about it, is that Triforce is better at killing Squishy because it gives you attack speed and you're just generally better at like just like killing Squishy people. Divine Sundra, the passive proc, the spell blade proc effect on that lets you just do a bunch of damage to tanks because if I'm not wrong, it's percentage health or something. Along those that lines. is what this wiki page is telling yeah. me that it does a percentage of the target's maximum health as bonus physical damage. Exactly, right. So when you're playing something like a Camille and you're laning against a Garen and you pick up a Divine Sunderer, the Garen's not going to have a good time later on in the game. I don't really care about that too much. I think it's nice. It has a place in the meta. But I think Howlbreaker, which just enables split pushing so much more in a meta or like in a game where split pushing I think is really so underutilized and potentially so strong I feel like Hullbreaker is just game ending like game breaking if you have a strong Baron laner and he just never lives leaves side lanes I'd be willing to give up two tree dragons to let him just take towers for free so the way this works uh, in League of Legends PC 
is that if there are no allied champions on the same part of the map as you, it's got a pretty big yeah. radius. If there are no allied champions in that radius, then all the siege minions and super minions, so that's the cannon minions uh, and the super minions that you get for breaking an inhibitor, get bigger, kind of like the Baron buff. Yeah, and also the, the added bonus is the 20% bonus damage against structures. That's a big one. Not to mention wow. the bonus resistances that you get. So, I mean, I, I feel like they have to nerf this item for Wild Rift. You can't ship it basically one-to-one. You have to nerf it. But I still feel it's going to be strong. And and I've been hearing from my fa friends who still work on League of Legends PC that Hullbreaker has been taking over the meta there. Yes, because of a couple reasons. Mostly the gold efficiency as well as the champions in the meta right now. They really love what Hullbreak is. Because if you look at the stats, it's just so nice. Who doesn't like attack damage and HP? And I guess HP regen as well. Not to mention, it gives you HP and it also gives you re re like uh, resistances. I feel like this is just great. Like Every champion that you play in the Baron lane would be happy with this. Darius, Garen, Camille, Jay, Sat, they're all happy buying this. It's such great stats. Really gold efficient. And that's before going into um, that. That's really interesting. Hullbreaker seems like a I, I suspect it's going to be less Broken. powerful in Wild Rift because champions yeah. move across the map faster uh, and teleport yeah. is more powerful. They nerf teleport in League of Legends PC. In, in Wild Rift, you can still teleport to any minion. But you also one-shot towers in Wild Rift. Like, my Camille or my Jax was Sorry. already one-shotting towers. Sorry? So I, to any ward. Yeah, to any ward. Or to champions, all to champions. Yeah, so let's say, like, nobody's on the if you're a mid laner, map, right? yeah, I mean... It's still, like, I can see a lot of potential for teams that know how to play the map, that know how to play side lanes, and have a strong Baron laner, to just use Hellbreaker to just end games. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's so strong. Like, the, I don't know. The big, the big benefit of it is the, like, burst damage, almost, to structures, right? Where if you, yeah. if you leave somebody on the side of the map to trade while you're taking a dragon, they get two turrets instead of one. Or if you yeah. get distracted on the Baron they get your inhibitor and the nexus and the game's just over pretty much and the fact that anyone can buy tps so let me paint a picture for you imagine a hypothetical scenario where two teams are dancing baron you got a you got a fat camille split pushing with a hellbreaker anyone can buy tps in this game for 800 gold that's so insane to me so you just dance the baron with them you stop their bases just don't let them recall while your Camille split pushes, when your Camille reaches the inhib, you just TP on top of your Camille, like one or two people. The last one or two people, like you leave your support and maybe like your jungler there to just stop bases. And the game's just over. Like you destroy base turrets so quickly. With an item like Howlbreaker, I feel like that should change the matter. It should change the matter. One of the KT players at the Horizon Cup in the game I was casting versus Sengoku. I think it's game two of this series, the KT top laner. Uh, is in like a 1v3 defense of his base and he realizes that he has proto belt and he drifts in the time when the enemy team is about to attack he drifts back into the fountain swaps it out for gargoyles and then is able to defend because of it because of the gargoyles bonus and ever since then i've been waiting for more players to be doing stuff like that to be swat hot that's crazy their boot enchantments yeah um and and i just really haven't seen it so i don't know how to feel about that from my perspective, that's something that I just don't even try because I know I'm not quick enough. Like, I would die, respawn, and then I'll be like in comms with my friends and they'll be like, I'll be like, do you want to contest this dragon? They'll be like, yes, buy TP, come now. Then I'm like, dude, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to run out. I think that's quicker. For well, in Arena of Valor, you can, of course, buy anywhere on the map, right? There, you, there's no restriction. You can yeah. buy anywhere on the map. So we would see people in combat 
buying new items where you would spend your your equivalent of locket of the iron solari you'd spend your locket enchant and then you'd have a useless item so you would sell it and buy a new uh, flat armor item um and that was just like a basic mechanic required to be a pro was the ability to uh die the equivalent of the ga would resurrect you and you would sell ga and buy a new item at mid team fight damn that's that's something so i Mobile players could do it. It's the same pool of players, so I've, I've been True. waiting to see more. I, I'm actually, I'm looking at the stats here for Divine Sunderer. I actually think this might be even more impactful in the Wild Rift meta, um, because as, as I talked about, I think Holebreaker will need to see, obviously, how these items are balanced and what they come into the game yeah. with. But Holebreaker, based on kind of the archetype it fulfills, I'm ready for it to be less effective than it is in PC, just because characters move around the Wild Rift faster than they do around the summoner's rift right i i hope it's weaker than it is in p because i don't want the meta to just be palmer side laning and then if you have a stronger split pusher you have the stronger barrel laner you instantly win the game it makes the game really one dimo can you think of how many sick 1v1 duels we'd get in sidelines i'd be all right with it true true that would be fun. Um, that would be the opposite but, I'm but looking, i like the 5v5s but i'm looking at this divine sunderer item and i actually think this might be more impactful for me because for months now, I've been on this drumbeat of if you can build HP scaling champions, there's like nothing to punish you right now. And there are all these yeah. items that tie into HP scaling. Um, almost all of the good defensive boot enchants tie into HP scaling. Um, the the AoE shield item, whose name I'm blanking on right now, Guardian, <laughs> the Guardian equivalent. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, that item, the shield you give, scales off of HP scaling. So HP scaling is just like the best raw stat right now. Um, and this, it's always of course, been, by the way. would be a punish for that. This would give AD carries yeah. the tools to kind of burn through your raw HP stat. Oh, I don't know if any AD carries would build Sunderer, though. This would be like a bruiser item. Because mm. like, like AD carries want like attack speed, they want crit. This doesn't give you any. So it's like, I think it, it empowers Brinks. Like, it's kind of crazy to say it, right? But maybe could, we'll see champions like even Zed buy it. Maybe champions like... Could I build it on Ezreal instead of Gauntlet? Oh, yeah, yeah. You would definitely buy it on it. Ezreal is like the old... But, you know, as, we don't count Ezreal because he itemizes in his own... I'm just always looking for angles whereby Ezreal yeah. could come into the meta. This would be great for Ezreal. <laughs> That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's the only marksman I can see. Interesting. Off the top of my... Well, uh, those are, once again, rumors. Um, it's been reported by a, a wide enough breadth of people yeah. that I believe them, but those are rumors. Um, so we will see if those items actually come out. Uh, the journalistic integrity. <laughs> hey, I went to school. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to school as well, and like one of the modules I took was something, something. You can tell I didn't pay much attention. Uh, I can't. <laughs> let's, yeah. um, let's hit... Let's hit our matchmaking, like, hallway, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back sure. with our esports corner. Does that sound good? Wait, what about matchmaking? I want to walk down the matchmaking hallway for a little bit. Um, right. Because this was very exciting for week for me. Uh, you remember last week I bragged a little bit about how I had hit Diamond uh, for the yes. first time this season, but it was, like, a little bit under suspicious circumstances because everyone had just gotten a massive uh, ELO boost. Yeah, yeah. I lost Diamond. Uh... Oh, and then I yeah. regained diamond, so I earned it this time, and there are no more suspicious circumstances. Nice. <laughs> I won nice. the game. Um, and then I lost diamond again. And then I oh. regained diamond again. 
Uh, and so I really earned it this time around because the first time that I regained diamond, I did it with my friend and he was just spamming Yumi. And the second time around, I okay. banned okay. Yumi every game and then eventually realized nice. nobody is playing Yumi. And so I just stopped banning Yumi and won anyway. What's up with that, Leonard? Nobody Why plays is... Yumi? Is that happening on the SEA server? I mean, in solo queue, there's not a great amount of Yumi, but it's still then about like 30 to 50% of the games. I think less than that. Less than 30%. I, w I would say like 1 in 10 Oof, games, Yumi is crazy. banned here in NA. Um, I've been seen crazy. a Yumi in my last like 50 games. And I guess we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to the esports corner as mm -hmm. well. But you mentioned that in NA Pro League, they weren't really playing Yumi as well. Yeah, and, and so that's what I wanted to touch on today. Um, because as I've been kind of going through my, ma my matchmaking flow, I've been thinking, okay, what parts of... My matchmaking experience are tying in with the esports corner, right? What parts of these picks are, um, what parts of the theoretical conversations I have on broadcast are immediately applicable to matchmaking? And how much of a difference is there between those kind of two different games, do you think? <laughs> I just generally don't really care because I just win every game anyway. Easy for you to say. Yeah, it doesn't relate to me. Well, I, I had this thought because I was playing with Steve Kangas. Right. And he was playing Pantheon in the top line. All right. um, and he was saying to me, well, you know, TJ, I love playing Pantheon, but me personally, I also would love to win more games. And I said, well, that's an e easy fix. Um, you could stop playing Pantheon. And he was like, what? And I was like, okay, hear me out. Play Garen. Here's the build. Here's the trading pattern. Uh, you you attack while you, their silence to is landing into a Riven, and Garen into Riven is actually very oh, stupid right yeah. now. Um, yeah. Because the Garen just silences Riven and then spins at them. And then when the silence yep. wears off, the Garen runs away very fast. And you do that over yep. and over again until they hit half HP and then you ult them and they die. Um, yeah. And Riven Q3 and Riven W just gets completely negated by your WR. Yeah. So, um, so I explained all that to Steve Kangas. And first time Garen, he smashed the lane. Uh, part of that is that Steve <laughs> Kangas is really good. Part of that is also just okay. that Garen is really, really good. Garen is yes. really, really good. Uh, I agree. And so I was thinking about it immediately after then. Is just the answer to matchmaking woes to play the most powerful competitive champions? How much um... of the stuff we talk about on this show when we talk about the way that teams should be built is actually applicable to the average player? Not entirely. I mean, for something like Garen, of course it applies because it's simplistic, but a lot of the times... I think a good example of this was when Twisted Fate was meta, was when Lee Sin was meta. Like, these champs are tier 1 in competitive, but I don't think the MQ player should ever be Twisted Fate, or should, or most people shouldn't be playing Lee Sin as well. Can, can you elaborate it's just on about, that? Yeah, of course. It's, it's just about ease of execution. Garen is as easy as it gets. You, you're tanky as hell, you just spin at people and you execute them, done. Twisted Fate has like a million things you need to do to hit your win con. Uh, I'm thinking about it more from like a PC perspective, but... It also very much applies to Wild Rift, and Lee Sin is just a champion that's mechanically extremely hard to execute on. So when you draft something like Lee Sin Renekton, you're going to get out together at like 10 minutes. There's specific timings you need to hit. When you play Twisted Fate, you're going to get out together at like 10 minutes as well. There's specific timings you need to hit. There's specific things you need to do in the laning phase once you hit level 5, and once you hit the late game in the side lanes. Draft specific as well, like to play around your strong side laners to get a win. Champions like Garen, you don't need to think about any of these things. You just run in, be tanky, Garen spin, done. So while competitive meta, I think, does cross over and apply to solo queue win rate and solo queue meta, that's not always. Yeah. 
I, I think the flip side of that that I was thinking about was I've been playing a lot of Annie in my Solikia games recently. Yeah. Um, and she's Simple. really good with a gold lead because you can just pop people. You proto belt in, you hit them with the big bear with the empowered stun, uh, and they just die. Um, but you should never be allowed to do that in a competitive setup. Like, this is not me saying I think Annie could be competitive. I think maybe with the right team comp she could succeed, but a competitive Agreed. team should know how long-ranged Annie is and when her stun's ready and deny her those easy executes. Um, well, I would argue that in Wild Rift, as opposed to League of Legends PC, there would be more room for Annie to succeed because it's harder to get... Like, what does Annie really struggle against, right? You raise one point, which is range, and the second thing I think is vision. If you, you, you won't be able to answer the problem of range, right? Because that's a constant. Like, Annie's range is just tiny. But if you can play around Vision, and it's much harder to get good Vision down in Wild Rift, Annie might still be a successful pick. Very circumstantial, though, very situational. The the thing Annie really struggles into is like a Zed. She's just not a real champion if there's something yeah. that can one-shot her. Yeah, I mean, Zed both one-shots her and outranges her, so <laughs> that's unfortunate, right? I, I think where Annie really struggles is Control Mages, though. Like, especially in laning phase, you should just never be able to play the game. But once that ends, then you pop the control mages, so it's like a trade-off. Okay, but the point is, there is an opposite yeah. side. And I, and I also actually control mages are a good point. I also feel this on, like, Oriana sometimes, where I'm having a very good time playing Oriana and just sitting at the back of the fights and playing an RTS and moving my ball between yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting, like, 30k damage every game because nobody notices that the Oriana's there doing huge amounts of damage, which, of course, any professional team should know about. Any professional team should know yeah. how to focus down the AD carry, how to focus down the Oriana. They'll be screaming, right? Focus Ori, look for Ori, yeah. watch the ball, things yeah. like that. Um, so, I don't know, just a moment of existential crisis as to, like, how relevant to the average player are the things that we talk about on this show and on uh, esports broadcast? I mean, it is relevant. It is relevant. I just think the question isn't if it's relevant. The question is if they can apply it. And that is right. very matter-dependent. It's always relevant. But can they apply it? Well, that depends on what meta we're talking about. When we were watching Sea Champs at Horizon Cup and the meta every single game was... Okay, well, I guess more Sea Champs, right? Horizon Cup was more like farming meta. It was a lot of execution-heavy stuff. There was so much Twisted Fate. It was a tier 1 champion. I'm a big fan of Twisted Fate. I love all the ins and outs of that champ. And like, is that applicable? Is that something which the average player should think about? No. But is it relevant? Yeah, you should still like try to know this stuff. Like, what if, what if you play against a Twisted Fate? Or if you have a Twisted Fate on your team? Like, you would still want to have an idea of what, what the strengths and weaknesses of the champions are, what he wants to do. So the, the problem is them, not us, right? If they're good yes, enough, then it, they it can always apply. Is. Right. Yes. I, but the problem is, they never are. <laughs> and I, th I think uh, maybe the right way to frame it is, in what way can we discuss these concepts so that we're, like, talking about the ideal way to play the game... And then maybe yes. what we need to get better at as broadcasters, or at least I need to think about now that I've had this existential crisis, is how do I how do I add a second level of all right? Now this is the ideal concept. Here's it messy. Here's the here's the Gordon Ramsay a recipe you can do at home, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it depends as well, right? That's something that I don't really think about in in my broadcast. Maybe I should, but like I want to focus on what's the best way, what's the optimal way. Sure. That's what I love. All right. Well, we talked about that. That was, that was eating a thing. Yeah. Uh, well, we always talk about that. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back with the esports corner of the power rankings and all that.
Welcome back, Esports Corner. We're at a very exciting place for North America. We're coming into the second major. Uh, the teams that we that I think are real X factors that we really don't know anything about are the top four because those teams, of course, haven't played since the first major. They've been uh, in in the incubation chamber, right? Um, That's right. And they've been they've been some of them have been showing up at smaller tournaments, but you never see the full form at the smaller tournaments. Those are always opportunities for those teams to try things out yeah um, piss chilling. so i think that like in my personal power rankings order that is immortals who of course won the first major sentinels enemy tribe and just like starting from the bottom tribe gaming is like in a very weird place right now they dominated north america all of last season they went to horizon they fell flat on their face they made a change. They kicked out Old School, who was kind of one of their one of their stars, who was their AD carry. Um, they kicked him out and replaced him with Dienzio, who's a legacy name in Vainglory. He's one of the best Vainglory players ever. He was kind of like the competitive face of that game in many ways. Um, and just, he's one that many, many people on that team have played with before. So it's definitely one of those moves that you see esports teams do where they lose at a tournament and they like call up their buddy from a couple of years yeah. ago. <laughs> Very <laughs> like, familiar. We need We've seen this lots of times, yeah. Um, and he hasn't looked bad. He's looked solid, but um, that, that team is playing weird. They're, they look like they're just kind of waiting to win lanes and they don't have the same aggression and coordinated aggression that we know they have um they're not bullying people on the map even though they can they're just not executing on that it, i don't know it, it it always feels cliche to me when uh, commentators say things like oh this team has lost their confidence um but it looks true right but it really does kind of feel like that you've been a coach mm -hmm. for teams is that something that really happens yeah of course 100 percent. if you lose like five games in a row like your mental goes out the window your players get too afraid to do shit and things just go boo. It's it's hundred percent a real thing. It always just is like momentum when when casters are like yeah. they don't have the momentum going into this game. Always yeah, like, like these are real things. Really? I'm always like, kind of like shut up. They're professionals. Yeah, you think so? But like even tier one professional, like it even affects like tier one person. But like that's why like sports coaching, psychology coaching, sports psychology, all of this has become a big thing in recent years. I feel like it's been so undervalued, but it's genuinely I think a real phenomenon. Something that people should pay more attention. Um, also because a lot of them are just kids so like you gotta consider that like yeah. you know if you lose five games in a row and like it's gonna have a lot a huge impact uh, enemy is here as well that's kind of the yikes revenge story he was uh, one of the formative players over on cloud nine he's been around he played arena of valor for a while um, and he has kind of appeared on this new roster I, I, I normally credit him with building that roster just because that was the role he played on a lot of Arena of Valor teams, but I don't know how that worked out. Enemy is a orgless team in North America's top four very consistently, and they are beating all the signed teams. Um, nice. You love to see it. And so I don't know how long they're on the signs. There was kind of an initial gold rush with some very big money orgs getting in. Um, I don't know how long they're on signs. You have to, when you're looking at like Cloud9 outside of the top four, you know, how long yeah. how long does that last how long till enemy gets an org hopefully soon i mean i don't know enough about the equals but yeah. hopefully soon we got we got stupid money here in north america um so i've heard sentinels who are i think i i put them second in my personal power rankings a moment ago even though they placed third in the tournament third or fourth i might be blanking i think they beat tribe 
Um, but they're they're like a very good team. They just like get tired over show days. Is that a thing that happens, coach? It is, it is, especially when it's longer show days, and this varies a lot from player to player as well. I think there's genuinely some things you need to consider here. Diet and nutrition and sleeping habits is a big part of this. Because if you're you know how these kids are, right? They love their Mountain Dew, they love their Coca-Cola, they Ramen love their sugary drinks. What I am. Yeah, but that's like I think a smaller part of it. The biggest one that really stands out to me because I felt it myself numerous times as well when I've been playing, when I'm coaching over long hours, over long time, is if you start the day with a coffee, let's say at midday, 12 noon, you have a coffee, you have like a Red Bull, you have like some sugary drink about like 2 or 4 p.m. to keep yourself going. And your last match of the day is at 4 or 6, 4 to 6, somewhere between those hours. You're like dead by the time the game starts. Like your energy level is like shot, you're like sleepy, crashing, it feels terrible. And that's like one biological fact that we could consider on top of the fact that like, you know, people generally just get tired, blah, 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 There's a million factors that could play into it. I know that I, on broadcasts, and I, I, I feel comfortable saying this because I feel like it's really obvious when it happens. I just get bored sometimes. I just zone out. Sometimes the, the games aren't that good. And we get to like game yeah. eight of the night and we're at an open qualifier bracket and it's the very last game of the night and I'm just not paying attention anymore. Yes, um, same. <laughs> anyway, the observation I made is that those Sentinels are a very good team. They play really badly sometimes and consistently they play their worst at the end of tournament days. At the very end of tournament days, they seem to just lose random games very consistently. Mm, um, yeah. That's an all-star roster. They've they've certainly made huge strides since last season when they weren't in the top four conversation. So I'm very excited to see more from them. And then Immortals, currently the team to beat in North America, though not by much. But that's the Araki Zoro revenge arc, where Araki Zoro uh, finished second with that roster in the last season, came back in this season, um, and has that entire team just looks really scary. They're playing very fast wild rift. They understand the meta. They understand nice. the pace of play. Um, just no notes really. They are the team to beat. Well, let's see if they keep it up. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch any NA teams until like it's. So... You should. We're having fun over here. I'm unironically proud of my boys. Um, I think I'll. I think I'll bars a little. Also, we have Cloud Nine who had to qualify yeah. back into the top four, and because they just looked awful. And they have such a clear game plan, which is, I said it on the very first episode of this podcast, we were talking about North America, and I said what was bothering me about Cloud9, which is they have a tribe's old AD carry, old school, who is one of the best players in North America, and they were playing to their jungle, which, it's not the meta for that, and also their jungle is Tarzan, who is very good like he he played uh league of legends pc for a while uh i think competitively you'd know that better than i eh, um, not really i know he's infamous though that's that's about it well he's he's been on the really league of legends pc like scene for a while but he yeah but he's like a streamer right that's my understanding he's a streamer now but he's also like actually high on the leaderboards he's like actually cool. yeah. a top north american challenger yeah to my understanding he's just one of those players that will like prank one thing yeah well anyway he's he's never looked um bad but he's never been aggressive enough on the map to take over games as a like hueba style scaling jungle which has always mm. been the way they've drafted him and it's always been very frustrating to me to see all the resources you know salma who's a very good support uh meals who's a very good mid laner like shift into more supportive roles for their jungler and like drift away 
and that every single game I'd watch old school on like Kaisa or some other off lane by yourself champion just like quietly almost carry the game and i'd be like why are you not playing to your bottom lane well they they fi figured that out they had that thought um and they started drafting to old school they started drafting to their bottom lane um they had one game where they reverted to their old ways but i think it was just because they got a yumi and they were like hey we'll play yumi graves and they almost didn't win because graves is an awful champion um, but they, but they have been playing the old school. They played Yumi Lucian once to, to amp up old school. And he carried, dude. He's like that's one really of the best players in the world, if not only North America. Okay, let's, let's hang on to your horses He there. carried, dude. And guess what? It turns out that Tarzan, who's been playing League of Legends forever, if you give him like Lee Sin and tell him to influence the early game, he knows how to do that. He's really good at that, actually. That sounds like a good way. That sounds like a winning formula. I mean, one possibility I could think, like, no copium or whatever, is, like, you know, it's still early. It's still, like, maybe, maybe they were just testing strategies. Like, maybe they know this works for them, and they want to, like, explore what other diverse strategies they could play with going well, to the future playoffs. We got a player interview I don't know how long the season them. is, though, but... We got a player yeah. interview with them where they were like, yeah, so our coach said that old school's really good, so we're going to start playing around okay. him more. <laughs> okay, so they genuinely just didn't consider it. I don't sense. know. I don't know. Uh, they do have a coach. They have Coach Nano, who I talked about his drafting for this team last uh, uh, episode, very positively. Um, mm. So I don't know what was going on in those meetings before. I'd like... It's, it's been really exciting for me because Cloud9 had been so frustrating because that game plan seemed so obvious and it was that for like three tournaments in a row and I was like, you have a coach, he's good. He's drafting sensibly. Why does he not see this? Um, and so Honestly, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before the player in question snaps and says, why the hell are you guys not playing around me? Or like he'll like confide in like someone, be it a coach or another player on the team, be like, hey guys, maybe we try this. Like we've, I've seen this scenario play out multiple times. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. And it sounds like we've hit that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Cloud Nine's time. Uh, they are coming into this mm -hmm. as the fifth seed, but I'm excited. Uh, we also have a team in here, Reflexion. It is their, or sorry, Reflection, spelled Reflexion with an X. It is their third tournament ever hmm. um there are like a whole bunch of kids uh one of their players wasn't able to play one of the tournaments because they had to go to a family function willing uh, to bet she was an asian mom too <laughs> could it you know what honestly could have been an english mom as well okay um but the to see like the younger team uh and the younger kids kind of dominating getting into the tournament as well very exciting uh, so that's the North American Major. That is happening this week, and as you are hearing this, uh, you can find it in the evenings. It's got, it moved later, uh, so it's starting at like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. Pacific, I believe. Uh, you can find that nice. over at twitch.tv slash wildriftesports. Everything uh, is there. what's going on in Singapore? What's up with the WCS as you guys are nearing uh, inter We had something interesting plan. happen last week. Yeah, so we had something interesting happen last week. So basically, there's two, a top two teams, right, in the Singapore-Malaysia League. And we've t I've talked about this a couple of times. It's either the Singaporean team's going to win or the Malaysian team's going to win. That's it, full stop. Well, they faced off recently. The Malaysian team beat the Singaporean team. So we expected them to go undefeated. We expected them to just cruise, you know, undefeated in the first round, Robin. But the Malaysian team that were the favorites, they lost to a bunch of randoms 2-0 the day after they beat the Singaporean super team. So number one beat number two and then lost to, like, number five. Zero and two. So I have no idea what's going on here. My theory is that all these teams are just bad. They're like all bad. But yeah, 
Uh, outside of Singapore and Malaysia, we've got some pretty interesting stuff. I saw a statistic. Uh, I saw a tweet rather. Shouldn't have tried to act smart about it. I saw a tweet earlier today I saw, that there I, were only. I saw a three... statistic on. And I'm no, it was my a tweet. Twitter.com. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the one. That's where I got my sauce from. Um, three undefeated teams left in the region, and that's Flash Wolves from Masters, which makes sense. They are like head and shoulders above uh, the rest of the teams there. It's this new team. I do believe they are a spiritual successor to like one of the teams in the Philippines regions, but I don't know much about that, so I won't comment on that. Called Undergrind, and you would be familiar with them. This Thai team called Buriram United. Yeah, so they're only three undefeated team. I think the roster changed a little bit, but it's still like three out of five. Of this. That's very exciting. I felt they like no the S- SCA teams kind of... I, f- I feel like we got screwed by SBTC, right? We spent all that time yeah. hyping up SBTC, oh, yeah. and then they had the match-fixing scandal where Minas got banned yes. from competitive, um, and or the, the betting scandal. We don't know if he actually fixed any matches. We just know he bet no, on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, was the, that was the report that came out. And he got banned mm-hmm. from competitive right before the Horizon Cup, and as a result, we just lost our top representative out of SCA last mm-hmm. play. Um, yeah, it, it was to say the least. But Team Secret still made Team Secret, who were far and away the second best team in the region. Oh, still made semis. Sorry, they have not been having a good. They've been losing here. They are three and three right now. What does that mean? What? Why three wins, three losses. So, uh, so the big story is apparently, from what I heard, at least from asking Twitch chat, is that apparently Hamas, General Hamas doesn't want to play so much anymore. Like, he wants to step back, go to coaching. They have a new player, this guy called, um... Ah, oh, what's his name? His name is Rao Rox. I don't know how you pronounce it. He's played League PC for a long time, and now he's the starting support from Team Secret, and they just don't have the same synergy. They don't have the same cohesion. They're getting punished for plays uh, across the board, and they just look a lot worse than they did previously. So, maybe we see different reps come out from the... Who knows? Maybe Hermes comes back for playoffs? We'll have to see. Interesting. Um... It's essentially very tragic. Hamas was like one of the faces of the scene. Yes, but it was by choice. Like he doesn't want to play. You know, there's not much. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I'm. I, I felt similarly. I was complaining to you just last episode about Dejuo in Japan kind of dropping out. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he was like one of the legacy faces over on the entire Japanese league, which isn't even a league. They they don't have that kind of support. They just have a tournament that feeds in. Um, I've been trying to watch some of those games. I've also been watching Europe. I was co-streaming some of the Europe games. You joined me mm-hmm. for one of those? It's like half a game. Like half a game. Yeah. Europe, I have to say, looks really good at some things, really terrible at other things. Yeah. And it makes it really uh, hard for me to place them. I think, I, I think I'm holding to the fact that I placed the top NA teams slightly above the top EU teams, but I'm also okay. holding to my caveat which is my, like, get-out-of-jail-free card. No, no, um, just say it, just say it. No, I'm holding my caveat, which is that we haven't seen <sighs> the top European teams play each other very much yet. Like we sure. Got, we got one Rix versus Navi game this week. We got a Game Lord versus Team Queso match last week. And those are both, like, 1-3, 2-4 matches, right? Uh, of course, what, what we're going to get... We actually check when this match is played. March 18th, book your calendars. March 18th, I won't. we're going to get a Game Lord versus Rick's match, assuming there aren't any upsets in the semifinals. What happened to uh, Team Queso? Are they like they're in the lower bad bracket. now? They lost, but okay. they're in the okay. lower bracket. Uh, they're they're cool. playing some of the... Like, it, it is really... I think there's a pretty firm hierarchy between Game Lord Rick's who are top two, and there's a pretty sizable chunk difference 
I think then it's Team Queso, and then there's a pretty sizable chunk again, and then there's Navi, and then there's, like, a highway, like an American highway. Like, miles and miles of asphalt. And on the other side of that are the rest of the pack. Um, okay. And I, Sounds about right. I don't think that's a great sign for the scene. Why is that? Because it, it... Well, first of all, it's very frustrating because it means they don't have a great handle on how good the teams are. Like, Rick's Game Lord, maybe they're better than North America. Maybe they're worse. I don't know. I, you know, when I see them play mm, each other, that's I'll have a decent idea because you can measure, like, how quickly the teams are moving on the map. Like, that sort of thing is, is easier to tell when two good teams are really challenging each other. Um, so, yeah. Rick's Game Lord, Team Queso probably on par with north america maybe better who knows looking at the way that like navi lost when they played rex um they didn't look good it didn't it didn't look like navi it didn't look like navi were playing good league of legends and then they went down to the lower bracket and absolutely crushed and that's not a good sign either because how yeah. does Navi maybe they woke up if every team except for three others they crush by just, like, playing their lanes and winning lanes, you know? Okay, so what I'm understanding from this is that Europe is really bad and NA is way better. Got it. <laughs> well, and I, I quote that from TJ. I think Got NA it. has more tools to get better quicker, over the, which okay. is, like, the projection thing I'm doing, which is, like, when I you, you don't need a footnote, you don't need... Any of the top, like, eight North American teams playing each other, I'm like, okay, well, they're, they're, everyone involved in this is learning things. Everyone involved okay. in this can go home after the match and be like, this worked, this didn't, here's how we're fixing it. Sure. Um, okay. And that does help. Uh, whereas, like, Na'Vi games where they just have better players, are they getting better? I don't think so. I don't think you learn very much from that experience. You, you've you been a coach. I hate to, I hate to keep it going back like, to this. Uh, is that true? I mean, it is true, but that also sounds like the CS code team. <laughs> sure, true. But yeah, that's, that's the point I had to make. Um, we're both CS fans. You can go there. Um, yeah. the, the other side of it is that I think Ricks and Gamelord are getting good practice. I think, I've, like, yeah. I don't know what their regimens are, but they certainly look at the top of their game. Um, so maybe they're, maybe they're just better. Maybe they're built different, as most of those EU players would say. We'll find out. <laughs> built different, yeah. Um, what else? Korea played? Uh, did yeah. you catch any of those games? Absolutely not. Mm, they look good. Um, Korea is still playing very slow, very tank focused. Don't worry, that would never change. Um, well, it's it's not entirely how they were playing last season. Last season they were playing slower, but it was very bruiser focused. This season is mm -hmm. very tank focused, so kind of sure. interesting. Um, Surprisingly to me, the Chinese league, the WRL, has not yet started. No, and they do have twelve teams. Yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. I don't know how that's gonna work, but yeah. <laughs> They've always got to do it their own way. They're gonna, they're gonna play seven days a week, twelve games a day. <laughs> Honestly, well, maybe they'll play like four or five days a week, right? That sounds about, that's double what round do. dropping. Uh, yeah. God, Chinese esports, hell of a ride. Are you, are you good with esports? Is that our, is that our esports corner? Have we cleaned the esports corner? I think we're good. I think that's. Have we missed any? Re I mean, we didn't talk about Brazil, right? Let me, let me send you a screenshot. I hate to do this. Okay. I hate no, to right. just clown on a broadcast town. I don't even have Discord to open. Um, not a gamer. Not a gamer. I hate to. I hate to just clown on other broadcasts. Okay, uh, so maybe we'll cut anyway. this out. But there is a very unfortunate thing, which is very understandable. It's not anyone's fault. It's just very funny to look at. Um, okay. Where one of their players, I suspect, probably, or one of their talent, I think she's one of their analysts. I suspect, probably due to COVID, can't make it in the studio. 
Um, mm -hmm. So they've changed from having the camera pointed at the desk where two to three people sit, and then sometimes someone walks over on their set to the television screen and right. like does a piece about a play that happened, to like a shot of the corner where the person who has to call in is calling in onto the television screen. You've got the very corner of the desk with one person sitting on it, and then and I'm sending you this photo here. I'll put it in the yeah. I'm gonna need uh, the vision. in the Discord chat. Oh no, I can put it in this chat. Um, and then the poor woman in the middle is just standing in the corner. <laughs> oh, that looks so awkward. Oh. <laughs> and she and she's if you look, you can see she's like a little bit behind the television. Yeah. So whenever they're talking to the lady on the television, she doesn't know what to do. Yeah, where do you look? Because she can't, she has to, like, lean forward to look around at the woman on the television. It's rough. And, like, if she if she moves forward, then she's in front of the poor dude who's on the very yeah. corner of the... I don't, let her sit down, is my take. Maybe move the TV and let her sit down. I don't know if they'll make it better. I, I don't know. I have no I have no answer to this. <laughs> it is what it is. Like I said, it's nobody's e fault. It's, COVID has caused yeah. broadcast to be awkward. It's not yeah, new. I got COVID, but everything's online. So. <laughs> Killing, it. Killing it. I cost it a day when I was sick. Really? COVID. When I had COVID, I yeah. wouldn't have been able to do any of that, but I wasn't vaxxed. Yeah, I think I got a booster and everything. We're chilling out. Also, the dude on the desk has just showed up to every time I tune into that broadcast, he's wearing a different Ooh. color tracksuit jacket. <laughs> nice. I like that. He's got his own thing going. I really do like that, though. I think that's... <laughs> have a thing, you know? Yeah, have a thing. And it's a good thing. As far as it goes, it's really not a bad thing. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, nice. You've got a lot of different color tracksuit jackets. Or at least three, I suppose. Um, <laughs> last Brazilian teams are fine. I think they're, they're really, there's some really interesting like aggression there. They're trying some wacky drafts. I'm not convinced mm -hmm. that they're organized enough on the map to keep pace with good macro. Um, yeah. But they might be able to, they might be able to uh, you know, take games off of Western regions. TSM were better than Team Queso and Tribe Gaming at the Rising Cup, so... Okay. You know, we'll see. File that under the... I don't know. All right, now we've cleaned out the esports we'll corner. It has been dusted. It has been vacuumed. Let's move on to some power rankings real quick. We're going to produce the two-hour podcast episode. Um, things get a little chaotic here, so every week we like to restore a little bit of order to the world. I brought our power mm. rankings this week. Let's order the roles in order of how hard they are to climb on or how much map influence you have, I guess, is another way to frame this. Um, oh, so, wait, I put mine in order of how easy. So, like, yeah, number right, one right. is the easy. So, okay, number okay, one is sure. the cat, the role that you queue up if you want to climb the quickest. Okay. You want to yeah. have the most agency over the map. I thought this would be really That's fun right. because uh, I, of course, started this season by fill queuing before giving up on that. Um, yeah. But I've been playing basically every role. I keep getting filled into my very last role pick. So, I don't know what that's about, but it just keeps happening to me. Um, my very last role pick is jungle, and I keep ending up there. Um, and also, oh, we man. had the conversation earlier in the show about kind of how much our theory relates to competitive. There's also something here about which of your team's members need to be enabled the most, where the resources need to go. This isn't what is the most impactful role, right? That's probably a different question. Um, mm, I think it, it ties in a little bit. Yeah. Why don't you start with your list? Because uh, these okay. lists are very yeah. funny. I'm looking at both of them side by side. So why don't you start with your list because you know it, and then I'll reveal my list and why it's really okay. funny. Mine is very simple. I think jungle is always the most influential role in the map. I think mid lane is a dog role right now, but with that said, it's still more influential than the bottom lane. 
I think that makes top lane by default the second most important lane because solo lanes are just so important and top is more important than mid. And of the two bot laners, I think support is more important than AD with the caveat that you have to know what you're doing because support is a role where you gotta have an idea of where you want to be on the map. Uh, so in order, that would make my list jungle, top, mid, support, or dragon lane. So ADCs are suffering, jungle yes. is where to go if you want to control what's happening on the Correct. In my opinion. Here's my line. Which is correct. You ready? Mm -hmm. Jungle, mid, support, top, ADC. Why do you undervalue top so much? I feel like top has a huge impact on the map. If you're good. Okay. 90% of the time, top lane... First of all, okay. First, before we get to that, it's yeah. very funny to me that both of us just no remorse ADC bottom of the list. Sucks oh yeah, you have like very little influence. Especially with the meta right now, like if you're playing a mage ADC in a game, you have like no. Oh yeah, you're not a outcome. champion. If you're playing Oriana bot, you just don't. You're just yeah. not real. No, but, I mean I wouldn't say that, right? But I would say you have no agent. You yeah, and if you're not a good ADC, then your team suffer. But if you perform well as ADC, then there is a cap on how much that matters. Your team needs yeah. to put you in the right position to succeed. And if you do, if you do the maximum amount of damage output every team fight. You will probably win, but your team needs to put you in the probably. right position to do the max damage output and for that to matter, right? Yeah. Now, uh, so top lane, 90% of the time, top laners are like on Fiora or something, and that just yes. isn't real. That's just not a champion that's going to impact the game output outcome. Well, you got to um, be really good, right? That's the thing. Like, I feel like top lane has high risk, high reward. If you're playing like something like Garen, you know, you're probably not going to have much influence over the game anyway. Then you oh, probably I, drop below oh, mid lane. Totally I mean, I'm disagree. talking like, specifically about like agency, right? Like if I'm playing Camille, if I'm playing Jace, I know I can work. If I'm playing Garen, well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Totally disagree. You're playing okay. Garen. Yes. Then I'm. Then you could have an impact on the game. You know how you could have an impact on the game by standing in front of the AD carry and soaking damage. Sure, sure, that's true. And if you're playing Fiora, you can't do that. Thereby making yourself useless unless the other team falls asleep and you get like two turrets in the sideline. Well, I just think Fiora is a useless Baron. I, I yeah, think a good is. example is like Camille. Camille, Camille, and Chase have a little bit more game impact, but yeah. I think that it's very easy to lose top lane and win the game. Right. That it's is very, true. It's yes. very easy to be playing the rest of the map and go, damn, our, our top laner is really getting focused down, but it's all right, we're going to win the game. And, it, and if your top lane is drafting correctly, which I think is Garen, Darius, Renekton, uh, Sad, right, mm. then it doesn't even matter that much for them because their job isn't even really to win lane. It's just to get out of lane without handing gold over. And if they get out of yes. lane without handing gold over, then they'll be fine in the mid game and they'll still have game impact. Um, yes. And so, so I don't think top lane matters that much as a result because the peak of their relevancy is don't screw up like astronomically badly. And I've rated them slightly above AD carry because uh, they have like playmaking potential sometimes where they can like shatter top lane. AD carry can't win lane hard enough to end the game to the time. You need sure. the jungler to gank in order to die, right? But a yeah. top laner can sometimes win lanes so hard that the game is over and that's entirely on them um, exactly but that's you, no, not but their that's job the in my in my mental framework right but that's the thing right you don't have to win lanes so hard that you just break the game and you just win the game there are like 
if you win your okay so in that scenario right let's give it a number so let's say if you win your lane by like 30 40 percent you just end the game but even if you win your lane by like 10 percent by 20 percent you get to the dragon fight five ten seconds quicker you get like two plates from that tower these things really add up and like people always say right it's a game of inches and even though it's so it's totally you get to the dragon fight five to ten seconds late earlier do you use the metric system in singapore you don't even know what an inch is True, a game of centimeters, then. <laughs> but you get to the dragon fight five to ten seconds earlier. You land one to two more shock blasts on your eighty carries. That gives you the dragon. You really just win games through things like. Sure, but then here's my quandary: Do you think the winning lane having thirty percent more impact than your lane opponent in top lane? Yeah, is more yeah. impactful than your mid laner having thirty percent more advantage? In I kind of just feel like mid lane's a dog. I see. I don't think so because I'm playing mid lane. And I'm yeah. playing mid lane so that I can have more mapping. Okay. Because mid lane can get everywhere in Wild Rift so quickly. Like, it doesn't even matter what champion you're playing. Every champion can be Twisted okay, Fate, true. including Twisted that's Fate. True. You can just, well, I'm just be anywhere. And you are always going to be the first to any objective fight. You're always going to be the first one to aid in a scuttlecrap fight. You're always going to be the okay. first stop for both junglers as they try to gank your lane. Okay, so that's true, right? I If we're thinking about it from the perspective of, like, map influence and being first to fight, mid lane is definitely more important. But I'm thinking for, of it from a perspective of if my team is dead weight, would I have more influence as a mid lane champion or as a top lane And 90% of the time, it's a top lane champion. Unless the only exception to this rule, I would say Zet. If you're not playing Zet, what mid lane champion would you rather be playing than, like, Jace, Renekton, Camille to, like, carry a game? I, that's that's also part of the reason why I think Baron Lane easier to carry with right now because the champions just have more agents. You could be playing with that weight team. Well, in my mind, if I'm if I'm in mid lane, first of all, you can play any champion in mid lane. They don't want you to know well, that, but true. you can. You can play any champion in mid lane. Um, so I can play all those top lane characters in mid lane. I I I won a game as Darius mid the other day. Had a great time. Um, I was into a fizz, and he thought he was going to be fancy. And every time he jumped in, I just half HP him. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah these these assassins players need to get punished yeah he was <laughs> he locked at fizz and i was like oh all right um but also mid lane is where the majority of the team's map agency comes from that is the role sure. in the same way the the job of the top laner is to be a alternative threat to draw some presence or at the very least soak presence the role of mid lane is to determine where that presence is going yeah. right now and and i will agree that's a little bit different from the halcyon days of like carry mids right we're, we're yes. not in a matter where the mid laner is doing the majority of the team's damage most of the time although sometimes like Correct. an oriana pick on a team that has tanks elsewhere can do a lot but most of sure. the time your role is i'm on a champion that is going to look at the map every five minutes and decide who's going to win lane i am the secondary <laughs> jungler fair. and that feels very powerful it is that's fair. I can see that argument. What I do like about Baron Lane is it lets you play more selfishly, and if your team is a deadweight team, then Baron Lane I would has more agency in that. Sure. In that. Like, if you really need to 1v9. So I think that's the difference, right? If your team is kind of human, I would say mid lane, but if your team is, like, inhuman, which in solo queue, more often than not, that's the case, then I would say Baron Lane. So it just depends on how we're looking but at it, I think. Baron Lane, you gotta hope your jungler's half decent. You gotta hope your jungler's doing something. No, you get 1v2. You get... There are ways to play around it. I feel like gangs Whereas... in Wild Rift are so telegraphed. Mid lane, I need anyone on my team to be good. Anyone. Mm -hmm. That's if fair. it's, That's if it's fair my enough. support, he cool. We're hanging out mid. We're winning lane. I'm gonna get big enough. I can be the carrot. If yeah, I can see that. That's a good jungler. Point. Same deal. Uh, maybe I'm joining him in the jungle sometimes, depending on what the jungler is. Maybe I start following him around. 
you know, maybe maybe it's top lane who's really good. Sick. I'm out of lane. I'm hanging out in top. I'm giving our set a huge boost in gold. Right? It's it's the number of options I have. That's why I think we put both put jungle at the top of the list because jungle yes. has every option on the map. I think mid is second only to that. You know what? I think that's a very good argument, and I'll give you that. I think I can agree to put mid lane above Baron lane. I would still personally prefer to play Baron lane and be the carry myself, but I think this is a fair argument, so I, I can agree to that. All right. And so we yeah, started I mean, building. We've very we've like collaboratively just started building our, our list here. Um, so yeah. the official list is right now jungle mid in the one two slot. Um, here's my question now: If you hear that argument for mid, why would you put top above support? Just just because of gold value and damage output, I think you can't argue against that. Because, like, support can influence the map more, but sometimes you try your damnedest, you try your best, you try your hardest, but your team just sucks. You have no gold, you have no damage, what are you supposed to do? Baron lane, that's never gonna happen. You can be selfish, you can split push, you can try to win that game that way. Support doesn't have those options. Sure, you can roll more, but you don't have game-winning options. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna argue with you, but then I remembered that this season I stopped playing support, and... Uh, started playing anything else anything else <laughs> yeah right like it makes See, sense if you're in duo if you're queuing with one other friend sure support yeah. is above top line easily sure but if you're not <laughs> you need some gold you need the ability to do yeah support doesn't have that okay if you're playing with humans maybe supports over barely but if you're not then and then adc we both agree you yeah. have a you have a role, and that is to do the maximum amount of damage, and you can really screw yes. over your team if you are not outputting max damage in team fight. Yeah, yeah. But, but the agency is not really yours, unless, unless yeah. you're really cracked. And you even you then, get right. wheeled into the team fights like a trebuchet, and yeah. you're supposed to knock down the wall, and if you don't knock down the wall, everyone's going to die, but you also don't decide where you're going to be. Pretty much. Um, so in order then, collaborative list is uh, jungle, Followed by mid, followed by baron lane, followed by support, followed by duo lane. Lastly, on the LCS podcast, there's a segment called Report and Honor. I stole it. It's different here on Wild Rift. We call it the Report and Thumbs Up. But it's that simple. Leonard, do you have anything you'd like to report? Oh, where do I start? Well, I guess we'll start with people who don't pick Yumi. We're not reporting Yumi pickers. We're reporting people who don't pick it when it's unbanned, especially in professional play. People in addition to cats. that, Why do you yeah, maybe, cats? right? I mean, to be fair, I have a love-hate relationship with Yumi as well, but right now I just feel like if you're not picking her, if you're not valuing her, or if you're not banning her, then your head's not screwed on right because this champion is broken. Yeah, and and I don't even think she's particularly hard to execute. Um, we were, we were no, she's so easy. Before the podcast started, but both of us have seen games. Me in the qualifiers for the next major, um, you mm. in the WCS in the Malaysia Singapore region, where teams just aren't picking or banning me. I don't think I don't think we saw a single Yumi banner pick in all of the European games we watched. Um, and that just feels like a profound meta misery at all. I, I don't think so. I could be wrong. Maybe there was a ban, but she certainly... Maybe it's banned, ban, right? I hope she was banned. Because it, that's... It frankly, it she should regular. be banned. She should be banned. Like, I don't think there should be Yumi in-game at all, because I feel like she sh There's too many options for that champion to play, and when you start saying things like, oh, Yumi can flex if she has a bad lane matchup, that's when you know the champion's in. Do you want to know what Europe thinks is really good right now? Please don't know. Seraphine! Yeah, oh, we saw that, right? And I think, like, I mean, I guess they make it work. And I guess what's good about Seraphine is nice 5-5 five, five team fighting. 
that's fine, but it's just, Don't justify it. Broken. I, I have no comment. I feel like <laughs> Seraphine, situationally, if you like counter pick a Seraphine, or if you like last pick a Seraphine, she can be really good. But in no situation should she be a cryo. <laughs> they were like first picking Seraphine, and I did not know what illegal. to do with my brain. <laughs> illegal. Yeah, it's pretty illegal. Oh my god. Sorry, I derailed your report. <laughs> no, that's it. If you're not picking Yumi, you deserve to lose. I'm reporting you. Done. I also have a report based on Europe. Uh, North America has gotten really good about this, which is good because mm -hmm. I was I was talking earlier about Tarzan. He was like the chief offender. Um, <laughs> if you're picking a Lee Sin, what the fuck that champion does is the first five levels, he's real good, and so you get into lane and you gank. If yeah. I watch your Lee Sin farm for the first ten minutes, I'm turning off the game. I mean, if he farms more than like two, three minutes, and he's not there ready to fight at like four latest, then he's. Um, and it's not even just true for Lee Sin anymore. That's true for like a lot of other characters. Zin, Javan. I, th I think ones, I most say. junglers right now, you need to accept that you're not going to be a late game carry, at least damage wise. Ooh. And so you should be trying to influence the map states, and that's your primary function. That's fair. Um, and if I'm watching even your Rengar, just like farm camp to camp to camp, I'm turning off your game. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> Rengar needs to rush to 5, though. Or at sure. least Rengar wants sure, sure, to sure. rush to 5. Boom. If you're level 5 on Rengar, and mm -hmm. you then don't gank in between then and level 10... I think the, the argument to that would be in a competitive game at least, maybe your teammates are bad and they're not giving you you could possibly. That's don't one pick possibility. Rengar. Pick yeah, a character right. that has enough stuns that you can gank then, if that's some of your team sucks at. Alternately, I mean, don't suck. <laughs> that's the big one. Just don't suck, I would say. I don't know. I was, I was very upset. Again, Europe, really good in some things, really frustrating in other ways. Um, Sounds about right. I don't know. Yes. It was one of the worst. I always... I got burst, burst a blood vessel. That was one of the more toxic report segments we've had in a while. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I've, I've had worse, I'm sure. We're okay. Give me, a, give, give me a thumbs up. Turn it around. My thumbs up. What was my thumbs up going to be? I kind of forgot. I've written here so much good and cool drafts. And oh, yeah. Singed. Yeah, so I really like that we've been seeing nice counter picks hop up that I think like we've seen a lot of in Lena Pass, but we haven't seen enough of in Wild Rift. And I like that teams are being creative about what they're picking and what the purpose of the singe support with Senna, the farming singe. Situationally, it was really good against the opponent team because the grounded on the W worked so well against champions like Camille. In addition to that, we saw this, this, the Senna picking team in the next game get punished because they early picked the center yet again and then the opponents they adapted and they picked Ash Trash which I feel is a great counter to champions like Senna Set, Senna Galio and I love that we're seeing these drafts will be willing to pick up these champions and be a bit more unorthodox with them. You want to know some dark technology? Go ahead. This is this is from Rafa, uh, one of the other casters okay, in North yeah. America. Singed Jungle. Oh boy, I don't know if I want to see that in my games. You farm until you have Ryan's Crystal Scepter, which doesn't take too long, because his clear speed is actually really good once you've got first item. And then, because the lanes are so small, because the map is so small, all yeah. you need to do is, like, walk up to lanes, and out of nowhere, they get hit by the goo, which means they can't <laughs> dodge, and you just oh, swoosh it, dude! He's all FOOM! <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you make it work, that sounds pretty broken. But if you are ever in a scenario where you have to skirmish against a champion like Lee Sin, you're not going to have a good time. Factual. If you play at the Lee Sin, the game is over before it begins. Unless yeah, it's one so. of those European Lee Sins. Oh, we don't talk. They're not real Lee Sin. They're Lee. 
Sinner? I don't know. There's something there. I will take that. I think that's. I think someone else does that. It's okay. Well, I'll just pretend I didn't hear that. Uh, my thumbs up is my recent discovery. I see the one thing I regret about role swapping from support to mid is you can just play any character support and have a great time, right? Uh, most Pretty famously, much. I was trying to sell everyone on Ramus support. Um, I've been going around pro teams explaining that Mundo and Garen support are a really good thing for the last like three weeks. Um, I realized the same thing's true in the mid lane, and it started okay. simply. I was playing into a Morgana, and I was like, "What if I just played Mundo?" Because nobody in North American Silly Q drafts tanks, which means that you're going to lose games. Because if you get a late game and you don't have any tanks, you lose. Done. Over. Pretty much. But I'm sitting there in the mid lane, and I'm like, I don't want to play anymore Galia. I don't want to play anymore Diana. Those are the two tanks I feel comfortable drafting mid. But I am playing into a Morgana, which means that if I draft Mundo, I think I just win lane because I don't care about any of her spells. Dark Binding, not a real spell. Uh, uh, yeah. Her AoE Dark Pool thing. It doesn't do a meaningful amount of HP damage. I will simply stand on her and be Mundo. Uh, and that I think works that's fair. really well. That, like, works astonishingly well. And then I was like, well, hang on. I'm playing into a Fizz this game. Why don't I just play Set? Because every time he, he tries to jump on me, I can just hit him really hard. That worked really well. And then yeah, I realized good I was on this something. You could just pick anything in the mid lane, dude. I mean, I think that's true. I really think that's true. I think Sam mid is good, and I feel like when you see people picking champions like uh, uh, Fizz, Zet, Irelia, that's when you should stop pulling, pull out the tanks, pull out the Renekton, pull out the set. And in a meta, especially a Solik meta where you, we keep getting these cursed Lux supports. What was on this again? Was Lux high on the list of champions you wanted to avoid, <laughs> yeah. or was it? And we put Sona, we, we dropped Sonomans off the list because we decided that Kalemans and Sonomans were the same people. It's true. It's and true. That they were kind of charming. Like gold yeah, you, you agreed on that, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna hold my peace. Anyway, nobody yeah. will nobody on your team pick a support tank. Simply play one in the mid lane. Um, Honestly, also fine. my Galio, I just, I for a very long time I was building AP Galio with like electric mid. I'm just building aftershock Galio mid. Oh, we had a game recently where the Galio was like double fat. He got like four kills in four minutes. He bought a Lich Bane second item, and he was just one punch. It was hilarious. You would have well, loved. That's the thing, Galio. Still has I mean, damage. I don't think it's good, please. I don't think it's good. It was just well, funny to watch. Well, sure, but this illustrates a point. Galio has base kit damage in a way that's kind of silly. So if you yeah. just run Aftershock on him, and, like, your first item is Dead Man's, and then, like, two, three items in, you go Crystalline Reflector, uh, uh, and then AP. Like, you st it still works. Are you the da most high-damage character on the team? No, but you're never going to be. That's not the role of midline. Yeah. Agree. So... You, you get some damage, yeah. which is great. And let me tell you... The person playing Seraphine mid doesn't know what to do into Mundo. They're just like, oh, what yeah. do I do? <laughs> yeah, they're I mean, I hit you with my auto attack cloud. What? You didn't notice? It didn't do any damage at all, and the E does nothing to you as well? It's great. Having said that, if you do that in my solo queue games, well, I've been auto-filled into jungle for the fifth time of the night. I will report you. <laughs> Double standards, but sure. You gotta win. You gotta be good. Don't suck. Sure. That's fair. All right, I feel like that's a I feel like that's a podcast. It's a it's a good place to yeah it's a good place we read. It um, was a two hour long one again. Well, well, we took a break in the middle, so our time code right now is a minute twenty, and I feel like also I'm stalling now because whenever someone says it's time to end, my gut reaction is to stall for as long as possible. Hi. I don't know. I'm just a bad person, but you know this about me. I'm awesome. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you can find our podcast anywhere. 
literally anywhere, but especially esportstj.com. But if you go to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or in all those places, you can search for TJ and Omo with the ampersand, or Wild nice. Rift, or esportstj.com, or really anything. Please do leave us a rating and a review if you are listening to us in a podcast app, because it does help uh, the algorithms decide to front our podcast when people search for any of those terms. Uh, listen to, or watch, I suppose. I don't know, maybe just listen. Like a good old, like a baseball radio broadcast. Uh, the WNS Major this weekend in North America. Also WCS ongoing for Omo. Omo, should people watch that? Nah, please don't. Wait for Oh yeah, wait for C-Champs. C-Champs will be airing. A uh, lot of Wild Drift, a lot of esports happening. We'll be back to talk about it next week. Till then. Peace.